Please turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 17. I'll be reading from verses 17 through 24. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The word is a lamp to our feet and a light for our path. Children, kindergarten through second grade, you are dismissed. Well, this week I was looking at my closet and I realized something. I realized that I have these pair of shoes and I've had these shoes for years. And I absolutely love these shoes. The reason I love these shoes is because they're comfortable. They're very comfortable and they don't make my feet hurt. But as I was looking at my closet and I was looking at these shoes, I realized something about these shoes (laughs) that aren't good. And that is these shoes have holes in it. These shoes also have, uh, the the shoe strings are, are not very good. And about six months ago, I needed to polish them and I bought the wrong polish. But I didn't realize it until after I put it on these shoes. It was brown polish. I thought, this is the right color. Surely this is the right color. And as I began to apply it and began to polish the shoes, it was a darker brown than the color of these shoes. So I tried to compensate for it. And I thought, well, maybe I can make a little design and make it not stand out. And I have these permanent dark marks on these brown shoes. After I thought about it, I thought to myself, I'm really having trouble parting way with these shoes. In the same way, Paul was writing to a group of Christians who were Gentile Christians that were having a hard time parting ways with their old lifestyle. The Gentiles of Paul's day were pagan, they were non believers. And they were living for themselves. And Paul described these Gentiles in three different ways. The first thing he said about them was they had dark minds. In verse 17 and 18 he said, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. These Gentiles, living in Paul's day, who were non-believers, they had dark minds. They, were, they had futility in their understanding of their minds. 
they, their minds were darkened and they were ignorant of the spiritual truth. What Paul was describing here was who had no understanding of because their minds were so dark. They were so ignorant. It was as if if they heard about Jesus or heard about the Word of God, it would just go in one ear and out the other. It would be like we, were, we would be talking to them as Christians in a foreign language. The Gentile world really had no understanding of who Jesus was, and they honestly didn't care. The second way that Paul described these Gentiles who were non-believers is he described them as having hard hearts. In verse 18, he said, They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. The Greek word for hardness is porosis, where we get the word paralysis. And porosis means that of stone or rock. What Paul was trying to convey here in this language is that their hearts or their hearts are rock solid. They're solid rock. They're immovable in the sense that they aren't willing to accept the things of the Lord because they're so hardened. There are many people that walk in the church today across America and across the world who come in maybe for the first time and they and they hear a pastor preach or they hear songs being sung and they leave wondering what in the world were they talking about? They may have no understanding of spiritual matters or of the word of God. Several years ago, there was a man by the name of William Wilberforce. William Wilberforce, Wilberforce he served in Parliament, and he had a friend by the name of William Pitt. William Pitt was known as one of the greatest prime ministers ever in the history of Great Britain. William Wilberforce became a Christian later in life, and when he became a Christian, he began to understand the things of Jesus. He began to understand the Bible, and as a pastor was preaching, it began to click for him. Even to the point where he devoted the rest of his life to help abolish slavery. And right at the end of his life, they abolished slavery in Great Britain. It was quite an accomplishment that this world will never forget. William Pitt, who happened to be Wilberforce's close friend, he claimed to be a Christian. He was Christian by name, as many people today in America claim. William Wilberforce would invite William Pitt time after time after time to his church to hear his pastor preach and to be a part of a church family. And every single time, William Pitt said, no, and he would give excuses. He would say, I'm too busy, or I've got work to do, or even I, would, I just need to sleep in a little bit because it's a day of rest. Finally, after William Wilberforce just kept at it, kept inviting his friend William Pitt, William Pitt gave in and he said, okay, Wilberforce, I will go to church with you this time. William Wilberforce said, we have one of the greatest pastors in our city. His name was Pastor Cecil. And when William Pitt came with Wilberforce to hear Pastor Cecil, it was as if Pastor Cecil had his best day. 
And William, William Wilberforce left really energized, really enthused, really excited. And at lunch, he, he turned to his friend, William Pitt, and he said, William Pitt, what do, you, what do you have to say about Pastor Cecil's message? Wasn't that inspiring? Wasn't that convicting? Wasn't that great and encouraging? And William Pitt said, I haven't the slightest clue what that pastor was talking about. There are many people today, like William Pitt, who claim that they're Christians, but they don't have a clue. Why is that? It's because their minds are dark and their hearts are hard. And when your minds are dark and when your hearts are hard, what will come out of that? Calloused senses. Verse 19, Paul further described the Gentiles of his day as having calloused senses. He said they've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. The people of Paul's day and many people of our day, because they choose the path of destruction and they choose their own way and not the Lord's way, They develop calloused senses, and they become apathetic to spiritual things. They even become insensitive to moral things, or even to people. They have no restraint, and they have no fear of repercussions. Later on in verse 22, Paul said these callous senses also are deceitful desires when he described the old self and the old man and woman within us. The city of Ephesus, it, it was filled with pagan people, people who didn't care about Christianity or about Jesus. The overwhelming majority of the city of Ephesus had those kind of people in it. And the city of Ephesus, it was a wealthy city, and it had one of the ancient wonders of the world called the Temple of Artemis or the Temple of Diana. And the Temple of Artemis was kind of the the center masterpiece of the city, the focal point. And people from outside of the city would just come and visit this temple because it was a phenomenal sight to see. The problem, though, was inside of the temple, there was all kinds of immorality that was taking place. I kid you not, men would play the role of women, women would play the role of men. Homosexuality was taking place, prostitution was taking place, there were eunuchs, there were singers, there were dancers. Outside of the temple, about a a quarter mile around the perimeter, you had an asylum where convicted criminals could live and they could also engage in these ritual practices to worship this pagan goddess Artemis. If they stepped outside of the temple and outside of that asylum, then they would be thrown in prison. But as long as they stayed within the confines of that temple, then they would be okay. There was one Greek philosopher, Heraclitus, who referred to Ephesus as the darkness of vileness. The morals were lower than animals and the inhabitants of Ephesus were fit only to be drowned. This was the culture. This was the city 
that these new Gentile Christians that Paul was writing to were living in. This was the environment that they were around. This was their background. This was their life. No wonder Paul said, put that away. No longer engage in the lifestyle of the Gentiles. No longer walk in their ways, but instead put on faith and walk in the ways of Christ. In verse 20, he reminded them, this Gentile way is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. What was happening was these new Gentile Christians, they were walking by the temple courts every day when they went to work. They were talking to their friends who weren't Christians, who were still engaging in these vile practices. Every single day as they walked by the temple, as they had conversations with their friends, they were reminded of their old life and they were tempted to revert back to how they used to live. Paul said, this is not what you learned when you were taught about Jesus. This is not what you heard about Jesus. Because Jesus has nothing, wants nothing to do with what the Gentiles are doing. Instead, Jesus wants you to live a life of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, of kindness, of goodness, of gentleness, of faithfulness, and of self-control. Jesus wants you to live that way. Where you live for him, something that is bigger than you. And you live for others. And you no longer live to gratify your own sinful desires. Paul was crystal clear in this letter to his friends. Please don't go back to the lifestyle you were living. But instead, live like Christ. Put off the old man, the old woman, the old self, and put on your new identity in Jesus. If you think about it in your own life, we're just like those Gentile Christians. Because we have this thing inside of us called sin. It's, a, it's our flesh. It's the sinful nature that we fight every single day. And our sinful nature within us is telling us, go back to the way you were living before Christ changed you. Because after all, it was a thrill to sin. It was so fun to be rebellious. Go back to those ways. Every one of us has that tension within us that we fight every single day. So with that reality and with that truth, what do we do with it? What do we do with it? Paul tells us, what we do with it. Verse 22, he says, put off your old self, 
which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Put off the old self. What in the world does he mean by that? Theologians, they have termed this to be mortify. They, they use this fancy word mortification. Mortification, it means to kill. It means to fight. It means to destroy. The word put off means to mortify, to destroy. John Owen, he said this about mortification back in the day. He said, mortify means to kill. And the end aimed at in this duty is destruction. As it is in all the killing, the utter ruin, destruction, and gradual annihilation of all the remainders of this cursed life of sin, we must mortify our affections so that we become more engaged in the worship of God than in the worship of our idols. Killing The old man and old woman. Fighting it. Destroying it. Paul described it this way in Colossians 3.5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. Which is idolatry. You know, my friends, sin is not to be toyed with. Sin, our sinful flesh, is like playing with fire. We must mortify our flesh. So how do we kill it? How do we fight it? Well, we have to identify it. We have to understand what it is that we're fighting. And I want to ask you this hard question. What is it in your life that you are putting priority over Jesus? What is it? What is that ongoing thing that keeps coming up for you? That was a part of your old man that you still fight every day. Those things are called idols. An idol is something that we worship. An idol is something that we prioritize. An idol is something that we put in place and priority over Jesus. Every one of us have idols in our lives. Every one of us. And I'm happy to say that it's okay not to be okay. Because Jesus is okay. We're not. We all have issues. But here's the thing. What do we do with those issues We identify what they are, we claim it, we confess it, and we turn from it. So if you have an idol or struggle of worry, you need to first identify that you're not trusting God, but instead you're allowing worry to get the best of you, and it's keeping you up at night. If that's happening to you, You're sinning. Identify that it is a sin. Claim it and say, Lord, I admit I'm worrying. I shouldn't worry anymore. Confess it to him and turn from it. If your sin that you're struggling with is lust and you're thinking about something you shouldn't be thinking about, 
first identify it. Well, that was a bad thought I shouldn't have had. Then claim it and say, it's not that I just shouldn't have had the thought, but I sinned. I'm going to take ownership that I lusted. Shame on me. Confess it. Lord, please forgive me for thinking that thought about that person or about that thing. And then turn from it. If your struggle is gossip, you got to identify with it and say, you know what? I shouldn't have said that about that person. That's gossip. You identify it as gossip. Then you claim it. Okay, I'll admit I gossiped. Shame on me. But you don't just claim it. You confess it out loud. Lord, forgive me for gossiping about that person. Forgive me. And then turn from it. Turn from it. What are the idols in your life? What are the deceitful desires that are wearing you out? Identify it. Claim it, confess it, turn from it. That's how you mortify the flesh. That's how you fight it. And every single one of us must do this as believers. Daily, daily repent of our sins. William William Cowper, he said it this way, The dearest idol I have known, whatever that idol be, help me to tear it from thy throne and worship only thee. Put off the old man. Put off that sinful nature that is within you. (laughs) And then what do you do? You put on the new self. You put on the new man and woman that God has designed for you to be. Verse 23, Paul said, Be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Theologians... They use the term mortification. They also use the term vivification. (laughs) Vivification means to invigorate. It means to come alive. It means to cause energy and be active. It means to bring life. That's what vivification means. So how do we become invigorated? How do we get life? How do we get passion? I'll tell you how. It's faith. It's putting our faith in Jesus Christ. And every single day, God calls you and me to repent of our sins, to believe in Him, and to obey. It's what I call the spiritual combustion cycle. You repent, you believe, you obey. You repent, you believe, and obey. It's constant. Because we're fighting a war every single day. How do we fight the war? We, we put off, we mortify our sins by repenting. And then we put on our new identity in Christ by believing in that identity. Holding on to that identity. And then we obey. We commit to, to claiming our new identity in Christ and living for Him in true righteousness and in true holiness. That's what it means to vivify. Paul said it this way in Colossians 2, 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, and how did you become a Christian? 
You became a Christian by repenting of your sins and by believing in Jesus. And then he said, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord through repentance and faith, so walk in him through repentance and faith. Meaning, okay, when you became a Christian, you repented and believed. Now walk in repentance and belief. Every day, walk in repentance and belief. In Romans chapter 6, verse 11, Paul said it this way. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. He's saying, consider your old self dead and you are alive in Jesus Christ. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body. And don't let it make you obey it. (laughs) But instead, follow Christ. So in summary, what does this look like? Putting off our old man and woman means repentance. It's mortification. It's turning our heart affections away from our idols. And instead, we put on faith vivification, we turn our heart affections on to Jesus. That's what it looks like. And every single one of us must do this. But here's the problem. The problem that we're dealing with today is that we, in our American society, are going 100 miles an hour. And we're very distracted And so we take very little time to self-reflect. We take very little time to do these things. And so let me say something. Start simply and simply start. If it means five minutes, start there. Five minutes will then turn into 10, 15, perhaps an hour. But start there. Take time every day to do business with the Lord. Identify your sin, repent of it. Kill it. Fight that flesh. Put on your heart affections on Christ. Have faith in him. Say, Lord, forgive me. I'm a wretched sinner. Help me as I fight this sin every day. Help me to turn from it and help me to cling to you because I can't do it without you. It's a daily process, a daily journey. Now, many of you know this, but a couple years ago, there were several of us senior pastors in the Knox County area, and we we met and we gathered together the Knox County Church Network. And that network has about 20 churches that are like-minded, and we meet together regularly to pray together and to serve together. In the last two years, we met with several local government officials and leaders, and they told us that we have in our county an epidemic. And it's not COVID-19. What we're dealing with is an epidemic of drugs and of opioid abuse. And they said, we need your help. So for the last two years, us pastors of this local area that are like-minded, we gathered together and we formed Renew Clinic. And I'm pleased to say two months ago, we opened Renew Clinic's doors downtown Knoxville. Last Sunday, they had their first baptism. 
They are almost finished with their first group after 12 weeks of meeting. And they have six or seven participants who have gone through this program for the last 12 weeks. And they have been sober for the last 12 weeks. Every single participant would tell you, every day I have to make the choice to not choose cocaine, heroin, opioids, alcohol, or sex. But instead, I choose Jesus. And what has helped them get to this point thus far is Jesus Christ, their faith in him, and an accountability group of each other that support one another three nights a week, sharing life together. These folks are seeing what it means to fight the flesh. They're seeing what it means to have a new identity in Christ. But here's the truth. Those folks are in this room. Those folks are also you and me. And you may not be addicted to cocaine or heroin, but you might be addicted to something else. And the reality is... (laughs) We all have sinned and fallen short to the glory of God. God calls each one of us to fight. Just as our brothers and sisters in Christ are fighting their addictions at Renew Clinic, so we must fight our sinful nature and our desires every single day. You know why we termed it Renew Clinic? We named it Renew Clinic because it goes off of Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed by the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. And his will is good, pleasing, and perfect. What Paul was saying in Romans 12, he's saying in Ephesians 4. Do not be conformed by the patterns of the world around you. But instead be transformed how it starts here in your mind. In Ephesians 4, he describes how we put on Christ, (laughs) renewing of your mind. So as that sin begins to tempt you in your mind, it starts here first. What do you do? You block it as best as you can. And you say, flee from me, evil thought. But instead, Lord, I turn to you. We've got to guard our minds. And as we guard our minds, we'll be transformed and we'll be able to test and approve the good, pleasing, and perfect will of our Father. So what do you need to put off today? What do you need to get rid of? Think about that for a moment. I'll tell you what I need to get rid of. And it's these shoes. I've had these shoes long enough. They have holes in it. They have stains on it. And they're permanent stains. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get rid of these old shoes. And they're in the trash. Throw them away. And I'm going to put on these newer shoes. And I happen to like these newer shoes. Why do I like them? Because they're shinier. I polished them this morning with the right shoe polish. <laughs> Learned my lesson. I like the shoe strings. I really like how they fit. 
And like I said, they're newer and they're better. So I have made the decision to put on these new shoes and to finally throw away those old raggedy, although comfortable shoes. They were still not good. What do you want to throw away today? Throw it away. What I want to do now is I want you, as we begin to play some music, it's a little different, but I'd like for you to take some time to think about what you need to throw away, what needs to go in the trash. We all have something, so let's throw it away. Let's mortify it. So as we play the music, I just encourage you in silence to pray. Uh, Elders, if you wouldn't mind, I've I've got a few of you, if you could go in the back in your prayer stations now, and during the, the last song that we play, if you feel compelled and you need prayer, our elders would love to pray with you. I'll be up front. We'll be happy to pray with any of you. If you feel compelled to pray with your neighbor, your spouse next to you, go ahead and do that. If you would rather just pray to yourself, do that as well. But it starts here and it starts now. So let's take this few minutes and do business with the Lord. Let's mortify the flesh. Let's put on that faith that will invigorate us, that will help us fight that flesh. Let's pray and then let's spend a few moments in prayer and silence. Lord, uh, I do thank you for your clear instruction from your word that we are to fight the flesh. We are to put on our new wardrobe and get rid of the old wardrobe. We're to put off our old sinful nature and our old man and woman and our old self and put on our new identity in you. Thank you for our new identity in you that we are new creations in Christ. Therefore, the old has gone and the new has come. And so may we, in these few minutes, may we take some time to really repent. Repent of our sins, repent of our worry, our gossip, our lust, our control, our, our need for control, our need for significance, our, our need for comfort. Whatever our idols may be, may we just take the time to repent of those things and to cling tightly to you. Because after all, you're the one who has paid for our sins. You died so that we could be forgiven of these sins. And you also died so that we could have an abundant life in this life and in heaven to come. So give us strength to fight this battle every single day. In Jesus' name, amen.